This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. I'm working with some of our colleagues, um, Minister Lametti at Justice and Minister Baines as well. Um, table a bill that would uh, that would be inspired by what Australia and, and France are doing, and soon enough, I'm pretty sure other European countries, to tell Facebook and Google, let's sit down together and hammer out an agreement where Canadian media can be fairly compensated for, 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 for the use of their product by you. And you are making lots of money um, on, 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 on that. Senator Claude Carignon's copyright bill, which would create a new compensation scheme for media organizations by establishing a collective rights system for the use of news articles on digital platforms, may not become law, but it has sparked considerable discussion within the Senate on the issue of media and internet platforms. In fact, while the digital policy world was focused on Bill C-10, last month the Senate Standing Committee on Transport and Communications held hearings on the bill with a wide range of witnesses that included News Media Canada, Facebook, and Google. I was invited to appear in their last hearing of the session, alongside Jamie Irving from News Media Canada and Kevin Chan from Facebook. I made the case that the bill is an ill-advised foray into copyright reform and that the government's work in this area, led by Canadian Heritage Minister Stephen Guibault, has done more harm than good. Professor Geist, we begin by opening the floor to you. You have the floor, sir. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you to the committee for the invitation. Uh, Good evening. As you heard, my name is Michael Geist. I'm a law professor at the University of Ottawa, where I hold the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law, and I'm a member of the Centre for Law, Technology and Society. I appear in a personal capacity representing only my own views. I'd like to thank the committee for the invitation to appear on Bill S-225, which both raises some critically important national policy issues and gives me the opportunity to talk about something other than a certain Broadcasting Act reform bill. Senator Simons appears on my podcast this week, and she rightly notes that no matter one's view of the bill, it has sparked discussion and public debate on the future of media and journalism in Canada, which is something that we should all welcome. That said, I come today with criticism of the bill, which I respectfully think is an ill-advised foray into copyright reform. First, I think it misunderstands the technology and doesn't address the actual issue at all. Platforms such as Facebook and Google include hyperlinks, sometimes accompanied by the headline or a short blurb from the underlying article. Bill S-225 would seemingly not touch those actual uses on the services, since it excludes hyperlinks and is limited to the work or a substantial portion thereof. I should caution that the solution is not to expand the scope of the bill by covering hyperlinks, which would run counter not only to the established law, but create a risk to freedom of expression by limiting the ability to cite other works. Second, even if a blurb was viewed as a substantial portion of the work, copyright law already would address this and require either a license or that the work be covered by an exception such as fair dealing, which, as I'm sure you know, the Supreme Court of Canada views as a user's right. In this instance, I think there is a strong argument that it would qualify as fair dealing, which the Copyright Board would be required to consider as part of its assessment, leaving little for which to actually compensate. 
Third, the proposal does not address the fact that many of the articles on platforms are posted by news organizations themselves. To compensate those organizations for articles they post would create an odd dynamic where they could effectively guarantee payment through their own social media posts. Those posts, which are subject to a license agreement that the organization itself agrees to, should not be compensated and would also require exclusion by the board. Fourth, the Copyright Board is known for many things, but speed of process is not one of them. Giving the board a new tariff to address will take years of hearings and litigation, providing little, if any, remuneration until the latter half of the current decade. But beyond my concerns about Bill S-225, I have a broader concern with government intervention into this issue. This is not to say that there should not be government support for the sector. I believe that there should. The sector lobbied heavily for government support and got it, with hundreds of millions in tax dollars poured into programs and tax breaks. The programs we've seen introduced, the Local Journalism Initiative, the Journalism Labor Tax Credit, the Digital News Subscription Tax Credit, offer some hope, provided they maintain a neutral implementation that does not favor legacy companies over new innovative services. However, the new demands for further government intervention whether by way of legislation or intervening in negotiated licensing, has to date caused more harm than good. When Heritage Minister Stephen Guibault calls linking to social media stories immoral, even as he advertises on those services and regularly links to online stories, the message is that the government intervention is on the way. This creates harms in several ways. First, there have been numerous deals in Canada, including with some members of News Media Canada. The suggestion that Lidevoir can strike a deal, but the Toronto Star can't is absurd. As some organizations hold out hope for government intervention in the hope that getting, of getting a better deal, the delays become an own goal and hurt the sector at a difficult time. Second, the threat of government intervention runs the risk of self-censorship by Canadian media organizations. Indeed, I know of instances over the past year where organizations decided against running approved opinion pieces critical of Minister Guibault, leaving the unmistakable sense that criticizing the minister who was most likely to intervene on behalf of the sector was not good for business. Third, this blurring of editorial and business occurs in other ways. I believe the lobbying campaigns have hurt the credibility of Canadian media organizations by devoting front pages to self-interested lobbying efforts that don't provide value for subscribers, but do call into question the credibility and impartiality of the publications themselves. Fourth, the policies invariably seek to protect legacy companies at the expense of innovative startups that are finding alternative ways to cover the news and develop new business models. Support for the sector is one thing, but creating barriers to innovation is entirely another. We must be careful that in the rush to help the sector, which I again emphasize, help is a good thing. We do not ultimately harm the long-term health of the future of journalism in Canada. Senator Simons, who previously appeared on this podcast to discuss the bill, asked me about its impact on independent media. I spent 23 years working for Post Media, uh, Mr. Irving, so I'm intimately familiar with the plight of the newspaper industry. But it seems to me that as you outlined, the newspaper industry has lost billions and billions and billions of dollars in advertising. And what uh, Mr. Chan is talking about is giving back some millions of dollars. And it doesn't seem to me 
that you could hope to receive back from Google and Facebook and Workopolis and Kijiji and all the other people who've taken the advertising, anything like the amount of money that would be required to restore newspapers to the kind of condition they were in in the past. So when you talk about the Australian model, which very much privileged Rupert Murdoch's uh, media organizations, how do you imagine that you would have a collective agreement that would that would in any way restore the kinds of revenues that newspapers always relied upon, especially newspapers like yours, which had geographic monopolies in the places that they operated. And then I'd like to ask Dr. Geist, I mean, what are the consequences to the evolution of new media forms if we prop up old models? You know, I've got a few things I, I suppose to say. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's easy to beat up on Google and Facebook. I think the, the fundamental issue with those companies, and it responds a little bit to Senator Karen Yeo as well, is that there isn't a compensable use here. I mean, the reason copyright doesn't work is because they're not using this in a way that copyright would typically recognize. But I think that Mr. Irving's response really does highlight the, the, the risk of following down the path that he's suggesting. He told us that, you know, we're cutting to the bone, we're down just to IT and journalists. You could bring in all sorts of independent media companies right now who are digital only, who would tell you the exact same thing. The Logic and Village Media and Narcity and Taiyi and The Athletic and CART. I mean, they are doing the same thing. And I would suggest to you that it is entirely possible they do it better, that they are finding ways to compete uh, based largely on IT and hiring journalists. And they're finding ways to provide value to subscribers uh, so that people are willing to pay. There's been a problem with many of the legacy businesses as they wait for government to step in. I mean, we heard, we don't want to strike a deal. We think we'll get a better deal if government intervenes. If subscribers are leaving based on stuff that just isn't worth paying for in many instances, and independent media is finding a way in many instances to make a go of it. If we intervene and step in, what we are doing is not solving the fundamental problem. We are solving the problem that some legacy companies face, and in doing so, risk dramatically harming those who are actually trying to find ways to innovate in this space. Senator Cormier soon followed with a question on the role of regulation. Senator Cormier, you're up next. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Merci. Uh, des questions. Thank you. I have questions for Mr. I had questions for Mr. Irving, but they've been answered. Now, so my Posez ma question en français. My question is for Mr. Ghost. I'll ask my question in French. In your last remarks, you focused on the need to not hamper innovation now and not stifle information. So what do you think of the fact that not all companies uh, start from the same starting blocks? Uh, some might be rural, some might be urban and uh, of course, there's the human capacity to innovate everywhere, but the means at their disposal aren't the same everywhere, so they're not on an equal footing. So here's my question. In what way can we best protect Canadian culture and identity, journalistic Canadian culture and identity? Perhaps my question is too broad, but that's the crux of the issue. If we don't regulate, if we fail to regulate, how can we ensure that Canadian content in and innovation are the focal points and priority. So thank you for that 
that question, Senator. I'll, I'll focus on the journalism side uh, as opposed to the sort of the broader cultural questions that have been uh, much discussed over the last number of weeks with another piece of legislation. And, and I, I think actually that the that the, the, the starting point is not to ask how do we protect this, but how do we enable the flourishing of this? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, th this notion that we've got to kind of either put, set up walls or batten down the hatches and find a way to, to safeguard all this, I don't think is the way to do it. I think what we ought to be exploring and continue to work toward is how do we provide uh, opportunities for these kinds of businesses from a journalism perspective to flourish. And, and I have to say that, you know, it's, I find it unfortunate that the sector spent, you know, the better part of a couple of years lobbying very heavily for an assortment of government programs, which were fairly controversial at the time. They were successful in doing so with things like the local journalism initiative and uh, tax credits from a labor perspective and a digital subscription tax credit, all of the kinds of things that are precisely designed to allow for that flourishing. And then we turn around and say, okay, well, forget, we don't want any, we're not asking for more money. We're now asking for money from this, this other pot that we think might be out there to allow us to get there. So I think first we need to allow the kinds of programs that we've seen to be given a chance, um, because I do think that they are in the early days. I actually don't think they were all necessarily rolled out as effectively as they could be, but I think there are real opportunities if our goal is how do we, especially at a local level, ensure that there are journalists employed? Well, the, the LJI, the Local Journalism Initiative, ensures that there are dozens, well over 100 journalists who are employed to do precisely that. The other thing I think that we've got to recognize is that there is a do no harm principle. You know, when I hear Facebook say, listen, the Australian rule said we can exit or anybody can exit if they see fit. I don't think he's wrong. I mean, I think that that's a reflection of where things are at. And so I do think that there are legit serious risks in following through with the kinds of demands that we've seen from some of the legacy publishers, not just in terms of the, as I talked off the top, to I think their credibility uh, and the fact that I think there's the self-censorship at times taking place. And not just in terms of potentially Facebook exiting the market or whatever, but even beyond that, uh, the fact that many of these more emerging kinds of companies, the innovative companies, actually don't see this in the way that Mr. Irving does it. They actually see the benefits of these platforms. That's how they go from small to big. And so we need to be cautious about sort of grouping everybody together and saying, well, what we really need is uh, the government to step in to get us a better deal. I think if you speak to many of the innovative, smaller players, they will tell you that's not what we need. We'd actually like government to get out of the way when it comes to some of those issues, but we are grateful for the support around the kind of financial programs that we've seen emerge over the last couple of years. Senator Dasko sought clarification of my comments, wondering if I opposed any government intervention into the issue. I just wanted to ask Professor Geist uh, just more directly. So you think that, that there should not be any government support for the media? Uh, it, it, I mean, that's, that's what you're, uh, is that what you're saying? That, that we should um, just have the market uh, sort of uh, do whatever the market would do. Is, is, that, is that what I'm reading from you? No, that's not at all what I said with respect, uh, Senator oh, Basco. Uh, I, I just, I thought I just sort of uh, tried to emphatically support the kinds of programs that we've seen come from the government that are direct support for this sector. 
Uh, LJ, the local journalism initiative, tax credits both for journalists, for the labor from the journalist side, tax credits for subscriptions, or government support okay, for this. I think that's there. exceptionally important. What I'm saying is that I, I've, I, I've yet to see a compelling case for why we need government to uh, step in and effectively mandate compensation for something that, in my view, is not being taken from a, from a, in a manner that we would typically recognize from a legal perspective. From a copyright perspective, in the way that this bill comes out, the simple reality is that the way these companies uh, engage and interact with this content, they are not using it in a way that copyright would typically recognize. It is, in many instances, yeah. so there, it's a hyperlink or it's fair dealing. If it's about negotiation, we are seeing the prospect of negotiation. And it's one thing for large players to say, well, Le Devoir doesn't count, or some of these other players don't count. I suspect that will be news to people in those communities, sometimes very large communities, where they are thriving. And I don't think you have to see the deals to know that it was in their interest to do so. Um, they could have easily just hung with, um, with Poor Star and with Post Media and decided not to do so. It's pretty clear that they found something compelling, as have, quite frankly, if we take a look at this on a global scale, hundreds of large organizations around the world that have signed up for things like Google Showcase or perhaps with some of the deals with Facebook. And they do so not on the basis of links because that's not a compensable act, but on the basis that if you're gonna, that people are willing to pay for value, I pay for it as a subscriber to, to certain publications and the Facebook and Google will pay as it, it appears for value as well. Uh, but step up with something worth paying for and people will, and there's a deal to be had. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, what do you think about what was mentioned earlier, which I was just reading about as well, the uh, <clears throat> the antitrust case that came forward in France um, against Google? I mean, what do you think about those developments? I think that we need to be, I think sometimes I'm accused of not wanting to regulate these companies. And uh, I think that we need to be very aggressive on a number of fronts with respect to, to these companies, from a privacy perspective, from a tax perspective, and from an antitrust competition-related perspective. Without doubt, uh, there is room in Canada and a need in Canada to be more aggressive on some of those kinds of issues. And I think that those have been neglected. I think, in, I think one of my concerns with the kind of policy dialogue that we have seen to date is that it has not focused on where the real potential problems lie with these companies. I think it is on those kinds of issues. And so rather than looking at these companies as a sort of ATM, where wouldn't yes. it be great to withdraw money from them for whatever your favorite cause happens to be, why don't we address the areas where they may be competing in an unfair manner or have a, an unfair advantage and address those concerns because I've no doubt that Canada Canadian entities are fully capable of competing if given the chance. Senator Dawson brought the hearing to a close with a question for all three panelists. What should the committee be doing about this bill? In a brief answer to all three, and I will give the rest of the time to close, what about the bill? Because we've talked about the issue, but how would you address the issue of this bill? Should it continue being debated? It will not be passed, obviously, in the next few days. And if you were to improve it, what would you recommend? And all three of you have been following it, so I look forward to your comments. Well, also, I'm happy. I'm happy to start, but then of course throw to uh, to Kevin and, and uh, Jamie, and and just to note, as I did off the top, that uh, I mean, candidly, I think I think this has been a really valuable experience. I mean, these kinds of debates, and I've of course read the 
the the answers from the from the earlier meetings. I think this this is the kind of discussion that is absolutely necessary, and so I think the bill has done an exceptionally good service in that regard. But uh, with respect, I think it is the wrong solution, um, and so. Uh, I think I think it's great to continue to be able to study these kinds of issues, um, and it would be good to be able to do so hearing from some of those kind of independent players as we talked about. Um, but I don't I don't frankly have a fix for the bill because I think it is fundamentally flawed from a copyright law perspective. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at lawbitespod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Mm